Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, everybody, and welcome to our very special holiday bonus episode. We are going to be coming back for season three starting in March. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. And we are going to be building up a YouTube channel so you can keep your eyes on that as well. So what do we do during the holidays to keep our animals safe? We got six areas that you need to keep an eye on and help you prepare and plan your holiday celebrations this year. So Miranda, let's just start them off with a very simple question. Sure. Well, you know, the holidays are a really big thing for a good majority of the people in the world, especially North America and probably UK. But Mm -hmm. I think that even in other countries, various holidays play a really important part in people's lives. So there tends to be quite a few different holidays that seem to occur in the month of December. And I'm wondering, how are you planning to celebrate these holidays, whether it be Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, New Year's, or maybe some other holiday? Have your pets been a part of these celebrations before? Or will this be their first time taking part? Because I think both sides of those are important because if your pets have taken part before, you may have noticed perhaps some changes in them that you may have not understood. But if they haven't taken part, then listening to what we're going to share with you will give you some really good tips to reduce their stress levels, help prevent them from getting sick, injured, or possibly even worse than that. We want to show you how you can allow them to join in safely and enjoyably. So if you listen to any of our earlier episodes, we just had one recently on Thanksgiving, and we've also had a couple of other holiday episodes, you'll probably notice that there's a lot of similarities in what we're sharing, but there are some additional things that we will be including as well. So rather than thinking that we're just repeating information, maybe think of this as We're just giving you a gentle reminder. Yeah, because it's very easy, especially in the the hubbub and the craziness of the holidays, you forget some of these things. And the more you hear it, the more it's going to stick into your head. And the more it sticks into your head, the more you just naturally make compromises and allotments for your animals. It becomes easy. You don't have to think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Just like any habit, it just becomes second nature. Yeah. Now, there's six areas that we are going to address, and that's going to be food and drinks, decorations, plants, environment, gifts, and travel. And again, many of the things that we've talked about before, but we kind of condense a lot of it all into one space during the holidays. (laughs) (laughs) You got to navigate all these things, especially Mm -hmm. when you add family and friends and gatherings and all of that stuff into the mix. It just throws a big old monkey wrench into it. So 
it's good to be reminded. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like <we> mentioned earlier. <laughs> and if you have listened to our previous episodes and have taken diligent notes, kudos to you if you have. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> then you know, this will probably stick in your mind a lot more easily and you won't have to take so many notes this time. Yeah. <laughs> but even if you don't take the notes and you just keep hearing it, it's still going to find its way into your brain. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> so let's start with food and drinks. This is a really important thing because all of the holidays we mentioned involve food. Mm -hmm. So what do we need to pay attention to when it comes to food and drink? Well, unlike our normal everyday meals, holiday meals have a tendency to incorporate a lot more human foods that can not be friendly to your pets. That's a safe way of saying that. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, the foods we're going to discuss is not going to be common to every country because both Victoria and I are in North America. That is what we tend to focus on. But if you are in another country and you have different foods, then this will hopefully give you a jumping off point to pay attention to the foods you're including in your holidays and do your own checks to find out, is this okay for my animal to eat or drink? In most cases, it's food rather than beverage. But so in North America, typically during the December holidays, some kind of poultry and or a ham is often part of the meal. You know, most people like to have the turkey, but some people might have duck or they might have chicken or whatever. But ham is definitely a no-no for your pets because of how it's prepared. There is so much fat and seasonings and sodium and other things. Especially depending on the ham you get. Yeah. Like a canned ham or if you get a mm -hmm. fresh ham. They're very different, but we always put like cloves and pineapples and all that stuff on it. And it's not necessarily going to be good for your animal. Yeah. Poultry, on the other hand, depends. Duck tends to be a very, very fatty bird. And then the skin on turkeys and chickens and that are also to have a tendency to be pretty fatty and also the dark meat. So anything that's fatty is not a good idea for your pets. You can choose to give some unseasoned breast meat, just the breast meat. And you have to make sure it's not mixed with anything else. Yes. Yeah. Clean. I call it naked meat. <laughs> <laughs> Cranberry sauce is also an issue because it's kind of related to the grapes and raisin family and other berries like that. I don't know if grapes are considered a berry, but... <laughs> But at any rate, the quality of them, it contains things in them that are harmful. Yeah. And I am hearing people out there saying, but they put cranberries in my cat's food. They put cranberries in my dog's food. All right. I'm going to stop you right there. Yes, they do. Because of urine, pH, whatever. For dogs, it's formulated in small enough amounts where it's not going to be detrimental. It's just there to help the urine pH. Cats, on the other hand, it's there to do the same thing, but cats really have a hard time digesting cranberries mm. and it can cause a lot of problems. I know with my cats, I have done so 
much research. And let me just tell you how hard it is to find cat food without cranberries. Hmm. It's annoying. They can't process it. But that being said, in animal food, food designed for animals, it's formulated differently. It is not the berry. It's not the sauce. They're not getting a huge dose of it. I just wanted to put that because I know people are going to sit there and say, but my vet tells me to put cranberry in my dog's food. Well, it's not necessarily a good thing. But just know that having cranberry sauce is different than having cranberries in the pet food. Mm. And just to add on to that, cats, their digestive system is generally not able to process any fruits or vegetables. Exactly. Pumpkins, they can get away with in small amounts because it does kind of help their digestive system a little bit. But yeah, keep it minimal and naked. Nothing on it. No spices, no nothing. Mm -hmm. And another thing I'm going to add too is that dogs digestive systems have evolved from their wild wolf ancestors. So wolves are predominantly carnivores and might have a little bit of fruit and vegetable matter as a supplement, but it's not the main part of their diet. However, dogs, because they've been domesticated, their physiology has become more and more domesticated. They have now developed into being more omnivores rather than carnivores. Yes. Cats, however, their physiology has not really changed. They are still 100% carnivores, just like their ancestors. Yep. So another food item that is commonly included with the holiday meals is sweet potatoes and or regular potatoes. Those by themselves are generally not really the issue. It's what's mixed with them. So again, if you've got seasonings on them or you've got them swimming in gravy or something like that, that's what you have to be careful of. Again, any kind of seasoned veggies like carrots, beans, onions, garlic, other vegetables that might be included. I think the ones that I just mentioned are the most common ones that are in the holiday meals. Mm -hmm. Stuffing. Stuffing, again, is an issue because of the bread, because of the seasonings, and again, with whatever else it gets mixed with. Gravy, again, is an issue because of the seasonings. And if you use seasoned veggies and fats to make the gravy, that also causes issues. Most sweet foods, dessert type foods or candies and that are not going to be a good choice for your pets. And some of you might be saying, oh, but my dog likes angel food cake or my cat likes ice cream or something like that. Well, they're not liking it for the reason you think they're liking it. It's not because they're attracted to the sugar. Well, maybe with dogs it is, but not with cats because cats can't taste sweetness. If they're accepting it, it's most likely because they're tasting the fat or the salt in it that is attracting them. But it doesn't mean that their systems are designed to process it. And I mean, just think of humans themselves. How many things do we eat that we really shouldn't be eating? <laughs> A lot. (laughs) (laughs) A lot. I have a little bit of a story. I had a friend years ago and he had told me a story about when he was a a kid, they had a dog and this is before we knew a lot because he was older than me. So when he was a kid, they gave their dog pancakes 
within a day, within 24 hours, he was in the vet. I can't remember if the dog lived or not, but he had a really bad case of pancreatitis. Mm. Because of the fat in it. I think it's also like the flour, mm-hmm. you know, like we see things with oats, like oats, a grain that is pretty okay. Most of the time rice is pretty okay. Most of the time, but when it comes to wheat flours and stuff like that, it causes a lot mm-hmm. of problems. And even in our human bodies, wheat, especially now the way it's processed and the way it's harvested, it causes a lot of inflammation within the body. Mm-hmm. It affects a dog much quicker than it affects us. So when you give things like cakes and cookies, you're giving them ingredients that their body cannot break down. And that's going to automatically cause inflammation. You also have to realize that a lot of these dessert things, they have milks in them. They have dairies in them. Same with sweet potatoes and regular potatoes. That causes a lot of inflammation within the animal's body. Mm -hmm. And that could open the door for something else Mm -hmm. like pancreatitis, liver disease, kidney failure, all of those things, because the body gets inflamed from the inside. Mm -hmm. And another thing to keep in mind too, is that the smaller the body, the more quickly they will react to something. Yes. Unless you have a big barrel chested dog, because if they eat something that's going to cause bloating, that could kill your dog in 24 hours. So if they get a lot of wheat, if they get a lot of stuff like that, they eat too fast, it can cause an issue with their body. Mm -hmm. So coming back to some of the sweets that you might find during your holiday season, there's often things like gingerbread houses, cookies, cakes. So all of those can potentially contain spices, sugar, fruits, chocolate, candies, None of these things are things your animal should have. Mm -mm. You might have other desserts or breads with raisins, currants, cranberries, etc. And it doesn't matter if they are fresh, candied, or dried. Now with the breads, some of you are probably really avid bakers during the holidays. Maybe you like to make fresh bread or something and you've already got the dough pre-prepared. So you might have it sitting in your fridge or on the counter. And if your animal gets a hold of that, in most cases, it's going to be the dog rather than the cat. But if they get a hold of that and it contains yeast in it, that yeast will become active in your animal's digestive system because the heat of their stomach will cause the yeast to expand. So make sure you keep any any unbaked breads out of reach of your animals. You might also find that you are including pumpkin, apple, or pecan pies. Again, this has got lots of sugar and fruits that are not necessarily good for them. I mean, there are some fruits that can be okay. You can give pumpkin if it's completely by itself and it's unseasoned and not mixed with anything. Fresh apples, I think, are pretty safe for dogs. Yeah. I don't know if pecans are safe, whether they're prepared or not. I would I would stay away from nuts. Yeah, nuts. Like, I don't think all nuts are bad, but we don't have enough information about all the different kinds of nuts out there. And I know that there are some nuts that are extremely toxic, such as macadamia nuts. Yep. So just stay away. Mm-hmm. As we always say, do your own research, your own investigation. There are sites you can go to that will give you the ins and the outs of all of the foods that are safe or not safe, all of the plants that are safe and not safe, all kinds of chemicals and stuff like that. They're all listed in these poison control sites. And we can list a couple of those links for you in the show notes. 
other treats that you might find during the holidays is you might have alcohol-filled sweets, which could be baked goodies and chocolates. And alcohol can affect your animal's metabolism. For some people, they might have a lot of edibles, mm-hmm. as in marijuana, just in case you weren't sure what edibles were. And again, that can affect metabolism. A lot of people will have candies such as candy canes. You know, they might have them on the Christmas tree or they might have it in their decorations somewhere or just lying out in a bowl or whatever. These contain sugar, dyes, sugar alcohol such as xylitol, which is deadly. Make sure you Mm -hmm. do not allow your pets near anything that contains xylitol. Plus the wrappers because dogs in particular, sometimes cats, but dogs in particular, don't really care if there's a wrapper on something. They'll put the whole thing in their mouth. (laughs) (laughs) My cat doesn't care what's in the wrapper. It just likes the wrapper. Right. (laughs) So I have to keep all my wrappers away from the cat because they like the way it feels. Here in America, we have these little candies called Smarties. It's different from Canadian Smarties. Mm. They're just little pill-shaped sugar candies and they come in these rolls and so you get a bunch of these little pill-sized candies in a, in a roll and the plastic that surrounds it it's a crackly plastic mm. i cannot even eat a roll of smarties without my cat going nuts mm. and the second i sit there and I, I always show my cat like if they get interested i'll show her what it is you know i control it obviously but i show her what it is mm. so she knows and if she doesn't care she walks away but the smarty wrappers she immediately starts to gnaw on it and it's not the sugar it's the way the wrapper feels in her mouth and i have to make sure that i keep all of my wrappers away from her mm. if i am not there holding it <laughs> So I'm sure there's other cats that are very similar to that. Mm -hmm. And not only is it not good for them to have the candy, but that wrapper could end up, especially in a cat because they're smaller, could end up being a blockage. Chocolates and candies are also, like aside from the candy canes, there's other candies that you might have in your holiday celebrations. And like the candy canes, again, you have to be careful of the xylitol and the dyes. And with chocolate, it contains the chemical called theobromine, which is higher in the darker chocolates compared to the milk chocolates. But you still don't really want your pet to have the milk chocolate either, because, you know, if they have just one small piece, it's probably not going to affect them that much. But if they get into too much of it, it's going to make them sick. And the caffeine as well. Yeah. And I think it also depends on the size of the animal that too, too yeah. and how much they have. I, I have heard many, many a story of dogs that got into either holiday or Valentine candy or Christmas chocolates. Mm-hmm. One person I knew, the dog had the stomach pumped mm-hmm. and another one basically was acting like he was poisoned because he ate too much of it. Mm-hmm. So you really need to be careful because theobromine is not something you want your dog to have even a little amounts. Mm -hmm. So keep all chocolate away from your animals. Yeah. And I actually, with the alcohol, I remember there was a story. It was a small dog. I think like it was a chihuahua or something that had gotten into an alcoholic drink. And in comparison to what a human would drink, it was probably very, very small, Mm -hmm. but it was enough to put the dog into a coma. Yeah. It's scary. Mm -hmm. It's scary. This is why we sound like a broken record to you guys when we talk about food, because there are so many stories of animals that have been poisoned by regular food. 
because we eat them all the time. We don't realize the animals can't handle them. They can't digest them. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you watch what the animals eat in the wild, there's a lot of things that they eat that we wouldn't be able to eat. You know, you see the birds, there's a lot of berries that birds will eat that they're perfectly fine with. But if we ate them, they would be completely poisonous for us. Mm-hmm. So because we are different species, our bodies can only process and deal with certain types of foods. So it's just a misnomer to think that, oh, well, if I eat it, my pet should be able to eat it. So a summary of what we were just talking about of what you really need to watch out for with any of the foods that you feed, regardless of whether it's typical North American foods or if it's some other kind of food, you want to watch out for foods that contain a high fat or salt content. You want to watch out for food that have any seasonings mixed with them or into them. You want to watch out for any foods related to the onion and the grape family. Be careful of bones because cooked bones are brittle and they can splinter and either cause injury or obstruction. Be aware of nuts. There are certain nuts in particular that we know of, like the macadamia nuts Chestnuts are also an issue, but again, like we said, check out the poison control site to find out which nuts are highly toxic. Or just stay away from all together and don't even worry about it. Yeah. I think the only nut that I know of that you can be relatively safe with, as long as it's not salted or anything, is peanuts. Which isn't an actually a nut. (laughs) Yeah, it's really not a nut. Yeah, cashews aren't even nut either. So I have no idea what cashews are. I know it's part of the poison ivy family. So I would stay away from that too, just to be on the safe side. Yeah. Just stay away from nuts altogether. And if you're going to give your animal peanuts, just use natural unsalted peanut butter. And unsweetened. Yeah, it's just natural. Either grind it yourself or spend the money and, you know, just say on the ingredients, peanuts. That's it. Maybe a bit of oil. Oil's natural. Yeah, but usually when I see the ingredients, I think it usually says peanuts and oil. Oh, that might be a Canadian thing because ours doesn't. Oh, really? Okay. It just says peanuts. Yeah. I think it might actually depend on the brand too. That could be, yeah. So again, also watch out for anything that has yeast that has not been mm-hmm. cooked yet or baked. And even if it is baked, minimal. Yes. A dog does not need a piece of bread. No. And then again, any alcohol or any kind of sweets. Yeah. If you want to give your dog a sweet, find fruits that are okay for them to have, like apple or banana, something like that. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like they get upset because they're not getting a certain kind of food, that might be because of the training that you have given them consciously or unconsciously. Yeah. If you have an animal that begs, that's your fault. (laughs) (laughs) A little sass there. (laughs) So, of course, you know, we all love to include our animals in our celebrations. And so we might feel like we want to give them some kind of a treat to feel like they're included. So the options that are good choices to give them is you can give them some unseasoned lean turkey or chicken, no brown meat. You can give them unseasoned beef or pork with no fat. You can give them sweet potato, pumpkin, carrots, Brussels sprouts, parsnips, again, with no seasoning. Naked food. (laughs) (laughs) I say that because I can eat half of this stuff 
if it's got all this stuff. So I only <laughs> eat naked food in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And all of those <laughs> should be cooked too, except for the carrots would be okay if they're not cooked. Yeah. yeah. So that's the food. That's a lot. Yes. And that's going to be the biggest part of this half. But there are two other things that we want to talk about before we go to our little bit of a break. And that is decorations and plants. And I know we talk about plants a lot, but there's a lot of special holiday plants that we need to be extra careful of because we're giving them as gifts and all that stuff. And then, of course, decorations. Obviously, anybody who enjoys the holidays decorates their house to the nines, especially if they're going to have celebrations and family get togethers. So let's run through some of these and pick out the really important ones. So get your notebooks out Mm -hmm. because you might want to write all this down. Well, depending on what holiday you're celebrating, you may or may not have trees. But if you celebrate Christmas, more than likely you'll have a tree in your home, whether it's fake or live. But it's the live trees that are more of an issue, but you still have to pay attention to the fake trees as well. The live ones are more of an issue just because of the fact that the live trees have sap on them, the needles can fall off, plus they need to be placed in water. And if you buy a live tree, a lot of them are treated with preservatives. So Mm -hmm. if you have them in one of these water containers, those preservatives are going to leak into that water. So you want to make sure that you are preventing your animals from having access to the water. They can't drink it. Now that can be kind of difficult to do. It probably would look very ungainly if you try to put like a big box or something around it. You know, you do what you have to do. You know what I do? What's that? I don't have live trees, but I would do this if I had a live tree as well. Tree skirts. There are many tree skirts that you can put around the bottom of the tree. And what I do is around the base that's holding the tree up, mm-hmm. I will use like, say, one of those, uh, what are those called? Those those claw clips that you get for like office. Oh, yeah. Like that, um, that, that holds put whole paper papers together, together oh, yes. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And what I do is I just tighten up around the trunk of the tree and put a couple clips there. So it's really tight because most animals out of sight, out of mind. Mm. Like if it's not tempting them, they're probably going to ignore it. So that's something that if you have a live tree, you can do clip a tree skirt tightly around the top so they can't get to the water Mm -hmm. and they won't even try. Mm -hmm. Just a little tip. I think could work. It might work. Yeah. I mean, it depends. Every animal is different. So you might have some of those animals that can be really determined. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But if they don't know it's there, I mean, honestly, if they don't know it's there and make sure that you have their water bowls available all the time and full and clean because they're going to go with what they're used to. They like routine. They like familiarity. So they're not going to go, Ooh, there's this, this water thing. Oh, it smells kind of funny. Let me taste it. You know, I mean, they might do that if it's wide open, but they're going to go to their water bowl. That's comfortable for them Yeah. before they would go to something that's different. Yeah. And another good idea with the water bowls is not to just have one single one available for them in the entire house, have one in the kitchen, have one in the living room, have one in the bedroom, you know, different places they can go to get it. Especially if there's one in the living room that is, you know, not too far from the Christmas tree. They're more likely going to go for that one because it's theirs. It's theirs. They're already familiar with it. They're not going to look for another one. Yeah. Sap is an issue on trees because it's not so much that it's toxic per se. I mean, I think if they do ingest it, it doesn't make them feel too good, but it's more that it gets stuck onto their fur and it can cause clumping of their fur and it can cause other things to get stuck to them. 
And then they will maybe try to pull whatever gets stuck to them off. And that's where the issue can be more coming in because whatever gets stuck to them could not be a good idea for them to ingest. Yeah. And those of you that actually bring in a potted tree instead of a cut down tree, you're going to have to deal with more sap than if you have a cut down tree. So keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. I know that's a trend now. Mm, Okay. I hadn't heard of that. Yeah. Maybe it's an America thing. I I don't know. But I've known people who have done that. And obviously, the second you bring in an evergreen that's potted, that's living into a warmer home, it's going to start producing sap. Mm -hmm. And then the needles from the fir trees, they contain an oil. And if they get that in their mouth, it's going to create an irritation in their mouth. But aside from that, if they end up getting these needles in their mouth and even swallowing them, the ends of these needles are really sharp. And so it can also cause injury anywhere down from the mouth, anywhere through the digestive system. Yeah. And the other things you have to be careful with Christmas trees, and this is regardless of whether they're live or fake, is the potential for them to tip and as well as the lighting that is used with them. You know, some cats really will like to jump up and try to get into the tree and that could cause the tree to tip over. And the lighting, because of the electrical cord that's used for the lighting, some animals will get curious and decide to bite onto the cord. I think you can probably guess what could happen if they do that. Yeah. So how do you keep your pets away and not interfering with the tree at all? Well, (laughs) that's the $100,000 question, isn't it? Because each animal is an individual and you may have some that be like, I could care less about this tree. I'm not even going to look at it. It's like whatever. It's in the house. It's just decoration. Fine. It looks pretty. I'm just going to stay over on this side of the room. Then you might have the curious ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you put a big cage around it? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a few considerations you can think about. I mean, if you're going to have it in an open living room, it's going to be a lot more difficult to continuously monitor your pets. So what you can do as an alternative, and these are some things that I've heard people do, is that they'll do an upside down Christmas tree where they'll actually hang it from the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be a huge tree. It doesn't have to be a floor to ceiling tree. You could end up having more like a fake, it's not like a, a fake tree, but it's more like decorations where you just sort of put something on your wall and maybe you use some lighting and some garland and stuff like that and just kind of do like a Christmas tree design on your wall my christmas tree hangs on the wall (laughs) it is a flat christmas tree but it's like a fake evergreen christmas tree with bows and ornaments that are Mm -hmm. on it got it on amazon it was pretty inexpensive and uh, it literally just hangs on the wall it's flat Mm -hmm. we roll it up at the end of christmas (laughs) and we unroll it for christmas and just put it on the wall luckily i have an outlet right on the wall behind where it goes and it works perfectly And it still gives me that Christmas feeling. The cat stays away from it. I mean, she's getting older, so we may eventually try a tree tree. But yeah, ours sticks on the wall. There's so many. If you go searching for it, you can go on Pinterest. You can go on Google. You can look at images. You can go on Amazon. There are so many options for pet-friendly Christmas trees. You will have more than enough inspiration. Mm -hmm. And if you really, 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 really want to have one of those big live trees, (laughs) another alternative, if you've got the space, is to put it in a separate room. Mm -hmm. And the door stays closed unless you are in there with your pet. 
the pet doesn't get allowed in there unless you are also in there. Yeah. And I think the older your pet is, the less likely it's going to explore and be, you know, mischievous. Mm -hmm. But you have to know your own animal. Yes. Obviously, kittens and puppies are going to be more of an issue when it comes to things like Christmas trees and even garland, which we're going to talk about next, because they're just curious. Mm -hmm. But once they are familiar, they're like, ah, old news. I'm just going to stay over here. (laughs) I'm fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there are some animals who maybe never quite leave the puppy or kitten stage, but. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Labrador comes to mind. (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so some of the other decorations that you need to be aware of are the garlands that you use imitation snow or using things like holly or mistletoe with garlands we sometimes will have homemade garlands we might have artificial garlands because of course you can get those tinsel like garlands that you can buy at the store that are all glittery in that you can Get the homemade garlands where you know, you're stringing a bunch of popcorn together or lifesavers or whatever it is that you choose to use. So note, pay attention back to what we said about the food. <laughs> yep. Other things that you might be considering using or have used in the past are things like icicle kind of tinsel that you can put on the trees. Oh, that's scary. That stuff will never be in my house. Angel hair, because those are very, very, yeah. well, the tinsel itself has very sharp edges on it. You may not realize that, Yeah. but it's kind of like almost like a really thin piece of paper where you can get like that paper cut if you get it sliding across you the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So if your animal swallows that, they could end up with all kinds of lacerations. And it's mostly made of mylar material. So that stuff can very easily create a blockage within. Yeah, blockage is definitely an issue. I'm not really sure what they're made of, but maybe you're right. And the angel hair, the same issue is that it could create a blockage if they swallow that. Plus, it may be toxic because I don't know what the angel hair is made of either. And then the other thing that people like to put up are ornaments. But a lot of the ornaments that get used are breakable. They don't have to hit very hard on anything for them to break. They're very delicate. Ever since I've lived in my home, I have only had, or not only, I have a few that I keep up high on the, on the tree when I did have a tree, but all mm-hmm. of my ornaments are unbreakable. Mm-hmm. So I even like the little ball ornaments, I get the ones that are basically made out of plastic. They look really pretty. They look really nice on the tree. They sparkle but they won't break and you won't have to worry about broken glass on the floor. Yeah. And I've also seen some decorations that kind of have sort of a velvet outer part, but I'm not sure what the inner part is. Um, Yeah. It's been so so long since I've actually even dealt with decorations. I I know. (laughs) Um, But sometimes they have like braided, braided decoration and things like that too. So you have to be careful of that because if your dog or cat gets a hold of it and gets that pieces off of the decoration, again, they could end up swallowing that and it could cause an obstruction. So best bet is to keep it out of their reach. Keep all of these things out of their reach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the ones that are, like I said, they're glass or if they're breakable, keep them higher on the tree. Because if you're a good trainer of your cats and your dogs, they're not going to climb the tree to get to it unless they're kittens. 
<laughs> and you got your hands full, but keep them higher up on the tree. Don't put them around their level. Mm-hmm. I don't know how common it is nowadays, but some of you might like to use an imitation kind of snow that you put on your tree or some other things to kind of give more of that feeling of snow on the... Like that spray stuff you put on the windows. Yeah, that stuff is toxic. It is. There's two different kinds though. There's one that is a powder and there's one that's aerosol. They both are problematic, but for different reasons. The powder will expand when it gets exposed to moisture. So that could be when it's in their mouth, when it gets anywhere down through the digestive system, because there's moisture all the way through the body, obviously. Then you've got that obstruction problem again, and you may end up rushing your dog or cat to the hospital because they're not going to be able to breathe. The problem with the aerosol one is that it contains solvents in it, and solvents are just simply toxic. (laughs) Yeah. So if you have pets, don't use the imitation snow. Just be smart. Always think of your animal when you are decorating your house. Mm -hmm. Always think. There's always going to be a safer option. So hopefully this gives you a good foundation to jump off of. But always put your animal in mind. Mm -hmm. We mentioned that holly and mistletoe is often used as part of holiday decorations as well. They might be used as a garland or they might be used in a wreath or something like that. We'll jump down to the plants part of it since those are both plants. (laughs) (laughs) So whether they are fresh or dried, both mistletoe and holly are very toxic and they can cause severe illness if they're ingested. So you don't want that to be around your pets at all. If you need to have something that looks like it, use some plastic, fake kind of stuff. You can get plastic or you can get the fabric kind. Yeah. You still have to be careful about obstructions, but it's definitely safer because if it doesn't have a smell to it, if it doesn't have a biological component, your dog or your cat might just say, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And leave it alone. And if you got it up higher, like maybe you've got it along your staircase railing, you could, I guess it depends on the size of your dog, but you know, it might be high enough that they're not going to really pay attention to it. Or if you've got it up on your door with a wreath or something, they're not going to really pay attention to that. Just make sure that it's quality enough that it's not going to be like having little pieces falling off. That's all. (laughs) Another plant to consider is poinsettias. Now, I think a lot of sources have suggested that poinsettias are completely poisonous for pets, but that is not 100% true. They are mildly toxic and you do need to pay attention, but mostly they're going to get a digestive upset. And I know Victoria will share her story here about her cats having ingested a little bit of poinsettias. Yeah, it was scary because it took me a little bit, you know, monitoring her throw ups, but Maisie did chew on a poinsettia leaf and she got pretty sick for like three days she didn't eat she didn't even drink water i was getting really nervous but then she eventually came out of it she was throwing up over and over again it was scary and it took a few times before i can actually see parts of the plant in her throw up Mm. this is why i i mentioned in other episodes that when your animal throws up look at it diarrhea too. it may sound gross yeah It may sound gross, but look at it because that is your first investigative tool right there. And if they still stay sick 
and they're just throwing up liquid, then you need to immediately get them to the vet because there's something else going on. But yeah, so she was doing that and it took a few days and she bounced out of it, but she was pretty sick for a while, Mm -hmm. for several days. Maisie's a pretty small cat too. So it may not have had as severe a reaction in a larger animal. Yeah. And she was a kid at the time. So it was Mm -hmm. more of her, you know, we say all the time that animals investigate their world with their mouth. That was what she was doing. I had a plant. She goes, oh, what's this? And chewed on it and then got sick. Mm-hmm. She's never touched the plant since. So she learned her lesson. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> because it's still there. The yeah. poinsettia is like five, six years old now. But yeah, it was it was the scary thing. I think a lot of animals, they will learn from their experiences yeah. as long as they make the right connection. Mm-hmm. But there are some animals who don't learn from their lessons quite so well. And they'll just keep repeating it. Like the dogs who keep getting their face full of porcupine quills, for example. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I, I want to add also, because this is not something that a lot of people know. I'm only going to mention it because very few people keep their poinsettias year after year after year. Mine is growing like a weed. It's huge in my house. They are extremely thirsty. And if they get even the slightest bit dry, they drop their leaves. So if you do have poinsettias in your house over the holidays, you need to monitor that plant like it's a baby. You have to make sure the leaves don't fall off. You have to keep an eye on it. You have to make sure it's watered because if not, it's going to drop all of its leaves. And once it's on the ground, an animal is going to say, oh, this is mine. So you want to make sure you do not have dropped leaves of any plant on the ground. You have to be really vigilant if you plan on keeping them in the house. Mm -hmm. Some other plants that are fairly common during the holidays that you need to be aware of are lilies and daffodils. Both can quickly become extremely deadly for cats. They are still both toxic for dogs, but not necessarily deadly. Cats are going to react to them more severely, but that doesn't mean that you should allow your dogs access to it anyways. And when lilies, even the tiniest bit of pollen can cause a major problem. And the main reason why the pollen is an issue is because cats are notorious groomers. So when they clean themselves, they're going to ingest that pollen. Another plant, which is called amaryllis, but also sometimes referred to as belladonna, all parts of this plant are quite toxic. But the bulb of the plant is considered to be the most toxic part. Christmas cactus is another plant some people like to have in their homes. It's generally not that toxic, but it's the fibrous plant material that can cause digestive issues, as well as the cactus spines can also cause injury if they end up swallowing those. If they're the really long spines, they're probably not that likely to swallow them unless they kind of bite them and break them into smaller pieces. But Yeah, and Christmas cactuses, they're a little bit less angry than regular cactus. <laughs> <laughs> they're not as spiny, <laughs> but they're still a cactus. So keep all of these in mind. You know, it's not absolutely necessary to have a lot of these different things in your home. It's nice to have. It's not necessary to have. So decide what's more important. Is it more important to keep your animal safe? Or is it more important to have your home decorated to the nines? I'll keep it, Malcia. If you're if you're choosing your home over your animal, you shouldn't be having an animal. I guess I'm not keeping my mouth shut. 
Another thing you need to be aware of is whether or not you buy the plants or you get gifted with them, these plants could be treated with a pesticide, which will increase any of the toxicity issues that might already exist. As well, you may end up having friends, family, associates, or something that will choose to want to gift you a plant. If it's somebody that you, I shouldn't say expect to get a gift from, because you should never expect a gift, but... We all have friends and family that, you know, give because they know it's a a universal gift. Yeah. And they're pretty. It's a gift of life. It's a, you know, to me getting all spiritual about it. Yeah. It's like a gift of life. (laughs) But but there are some people that that's just what they bring. And every year they might bring the same type of plant. Mm -hmm. So anyways, it's it's more than likely it's going to happen rather than, oh, yeah. Yeah. They're automatically going to give me something. Yeah. I just have like a small little issue about the expectation thing as you might have noticed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here, same here. But it's it's important to know this because maybe if you get a new dog or get a new cat, you can let them know. Say, look, I know you like to give me a poinsettia for Christmas. I'm afraid for my cats. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid for my dogs. So if there's another plant or, I don't know, a silk one instead, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just let them know. You know, however you want to word it, just let them know that poinsettias are not something that I want to bring into my house now because the new animal, blah, 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 blah. you know, lilies or something I want to stay away from. I have a new kitten, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And if they don't honor it and they still want to choose to give you that anyways, then you have the option to say, sorry, no, I'm not accepting it. Yeah. Or you can just accept it and be grateful for it and give then it give, it, else. give it, you know, yeah, re-gift yeah. it or if it's a plant that can survive in cooler temperatures, maybe put it on a three season portrait, a place where it's away from your animal. Yeah. So you can appreciate the gift for what it is, but you are still keeping your animal safe. Mm-hmm. So that's the three things we have to start with. We're going to take a little bit of a break and then we are going to come back and talk about the environment, gifts, and travel. All important. And since this information is so important, we don't want to rush through it. So we decided to split this episode into two parts. So head on over to part two for the conclusion of this very special holiday bonus. Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, as season two of The Animal Files comes to a close, Miranda and I want to thank you all so much for hanging out with us over the last two years. We are looking forward to all of the great stuff we have planned in 2023, and if you like what we're doing here and want to support us further, head on over to patreon.com slash The Animal Files Official, and consider becoming a patron. You can also pop over to our website, www.theanimalfilespodcast.com, to give a one-time donation or to grab yourself some merch. See you in the next episode.